Hey traders, welcome to another Performante podcast. This is going to be episode nine. Thanks for joining us here on uh, our podcast. So this episode, we're going to be talking about our favorite pricks for 2020. And then I'll pass it over to Nathan uh, for the introduction. Hey everyone, just wanted to touch base, say hello. Uh, We're getting started with the ninth episode, our favorite picks for 2020. Uh, And in this episode, we're going to be talking about more than just crypto or stocks. We're going to be talking about some ETFs we've been loving, uh, some book picks we've been loving, really trying to up the knowledge game recently, and uh, really advance our skills, because ultimately, the the market, we still don't have the directional volatility we're looking for, so we're really doubling down on our knowledge, trying to advance our skills, and uh, we've been loving the silver and gold recently. Specifically, there's a GDX, is a gold miners ETF, and SIL is a silver miners ETF that uh, we're quite interested in because metals are great when you own them in real life and you own the physical coin or the physical bullion, but it's the people that bring it out of the ground that really profit off of these metal booms. And we're seeing the appreciation of the precious metals and the sound monies um, and this is just another kind of way to capitalize on that growing and developing market and really ensuring that we're in a position to profit, not only from the physical assets ourselves, but from the production and distribution of them. Yeah, so definitely getting exposure to, to many aspects of the sector is, is, I think, really important. And also just on another note, a, another possible ticker, because GDX is for larger miners and then you got GDXJ which is also more speculative it's more volatile but it's for juniors it's for smaller caps which will obviously provide a lot more uh, of an exponential move to the upside if we do start to see um, well we, we're already starting to see a massive explosion in the price of gold but if we see the continuation of the price of gold definitely if we're going above the current high that we had in 2011 like over 1900 when we're closing uh, I think it's just going to continue up rocketing. So yeah, those are definitely the two ETFs that we're looking at in terms of getting exposure to gold miners. And just a quick discussion about gold miners, because if the price of gold is moving to the upside, and we've seen oil recently hasn't really been moving to the downside that much, but if we do start to see the discrepancy between the appreciating price of gold and the depreciating price of oil, that's going to be creating an environment for miners that has an increasing revenue stream and a decreasing cost of expenses because the most expensive thing for a mine is oil, right? You got tires, you got gasoline, you got other things that require energy in order to actually dig into the ground. And then if you got the cost of things to run those machines to be lower, then you're definitely going to be able to have more of a profit margin, which is obviously going to be showing in the earnings. And that's going to be creating even more hype within these small mining companies. So I, yeah, definitely Nathan and I both think that there's a lot of opportunity uh, in the actual holding uh, physically of the boolean as well as obviously getting exposure to these uh, etfs and other miners that allow for a more speculative play in the sector yeah i mean from the company's perspective they can't really ask for anything more than uh, an asset that they create appreciating and their expenses depreciating that's a, a beautiful deparalization to be a part of 
And um, in the context of hyperinflation, QE, repo, uh, being in these sound monies is definitely the way to go. I would take silver over cash any day of the week. Although, that being said, probably can't go down to the corner store and be like, hey, I want to buy a Slurpee for some silver coins. Yeah, just snip off a little bit for the Slurpee. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I'll chip off uh, 1 16th of my silver coin here for a Slurpee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't know um, we'll take that. <laughs> but that being said, there actually is a new and intuitive way on the block that you can spend sound monies on the go. It's uh, Crypto.com's credit card. And we've actually really been thoroughly impressed with this project. It's very cutting edge and provides a lot of benefits from like the DeFi perspective of things that you could never get in commercial banking. Just to name some of the some of the things they got going on right now, you can buy crypto on their website through their platform with a 0% fee, which is absolutely insane. 0% fee to buy crypto, that very rarely happens. That's not something that you can get on a regular basis, and that's something that's very impressive. And when you look at their credit cards, um, it requires a stake of MCO. MCO is their uh, native currency. And so, for example, I'm just taking the tier three uh, right now, which is 500 MCO. And you get 3% cash back on all spending, completely unrestricted. If you spend money, you get cash back. And that cash back is deposited into your MCO wallet. Uh, and you get a 100% reimbursement on Spotify and Netflix. Which is, it's such an interesting concept because you're staking on their network with that 500 MCO. You get paid back in their MCO crypto. So you're putting a deposit down effectively and you can access that deposit at any time. It's subject to appreciate or depreciate. But ultimately, there is no tangible monthly or yearly cost that you would normally get with a credit card. With this kind of project, when you're buying the stake, it's more or less an investment in the company. And so having that credit card that pays you a flat cash back for just having an investment in their company, like that's such an interesting business model. And that's definitely not a product you could ever get through commercial banking. Yeah, there's no way. I think this is the first major kind of DeFi project that can I personally can see have real world applications like the the UI on the app is absolutely awesome even the the benefits of having the card compared to what you'd get from a normal commercial bank there's a there's a huge gap between what you're getting from crypto.com versus like a normal visa card from TD or BMO or whatever so I think we're actually seeing the shift so it's actually noticeably better to be in blockchain, to be in DeFi compared to the more old school institutional, you know, 2000s credit card days that we were in because that was definitely the old style, right? Where you would still pay for like a management fee and stuff, but we're seeing the shift where it's cheaper, it's more efficient and overall a better way to manage your funds when you're using DeFi instead of these institutional or commercial banks and, and whatever products that they're using. So it's kind of worrying if you are in a bank, but it's very exciting and it's going to be great for the, the everyday consumer because things are going to be faster, cheaper, and overall an easier experience. And it'll provide you a lot more freedom, in my opinion, for your everyday you know, payments and, and just understanding what it can do for you. So 
great to yeah. see. It just feels like a, from the user's perspective, it just feels like a sleek business model. And we're not easily impressed, but we are very impressed with Crypto.com. If you do have more questions or concerns, there's a, you're welcome to ask us about them. Hopefully we can point you in the right direction. And there will be a link in this YouTube video if you do want to register and get started with the application process. Uh, we can't recommend this enough, guys. Crypto.com, uh, intuitive tech. Yeah, definitely. So I'm uh, going to switch over a little bit from Crypto.com uh, into picks for either some documentaries, some books, whatever that we're interested in right now with how we're educating ourselves. And me personally, I think I said this in the last podcast, but I rewatched it again. And it's like a documentary that if you rewatch a couple times, you'll get something different from it each time just because it's so in-depth and it's really going over a lot of information. And it's called Princes of the Yen. You can find it on YouTube. And it also has, it's also a book that was written by Richard Werner absolutely could not recommend it enough. It talks about central banks and how they change monetary policy that influences social change, economic change, uh, and just really how much influence they have over a certain economy, which is pretty unbelievable. It goes over the IMF as well and kind of the uh, dark secret that I think the IMF does not want to know how they treat international countries a lot differently than they treat America and it's a very interesting uh, watch or read if you're interested in economics in my personal belief. But um, yeah, Nathan like absolutely smashes books. So I'm sure he has a good couple of recommendations for uh, for the audio listeners. Oh man, we're on like the one audible a week grinder more recently. I'm sure I'm sure Bezos is loving the money I'm sending his way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just some of like the great books I've read recently. Uh, one that really sticks sticks out and resounds with me is called "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday, and uh, that book is something that I valued very highly because it really quantized that in order to succeed you have to face your obstacles and if you really don't want to do something and you keep putting it off that act of putting it off and not doing it creates more fear anxiety and doubt in yourself than if you just bit the bullet and did what was uncomfortable humans have a tendency to overcomplicate the simple and uh, a tendency to procrastinate and to avoid failure to avoid obstacles in the long term is only really going to bring you down and that's something that is powerful in the business sector that's powerful in the personal sector that's powerful in like the fitness in any aspect of your life where you experience resistance challenge adversity that usually means you're going the right direction i have a personal belief that like you fail forward fail often take as many losses as you need because at the end of the day they're all lessons right yep definitely that's a really good way to live life I, I, yeah persistence and just being able to as an entrepreneur eat shit for a few years so you can spend the rest of your life like most people can't is, is a good way to put it i think but um i've heard of ryan holiday i, I haven't read i don't think any of his books but um uh he he's pretty well-known in like the entrepreneurial motivational personal development kind of sector i believe you may you might be able to uh have a lot more information on that but 
Yeah, he's a he's a big stoic guy, and like the idea of stoicism is that your reality is how you choose to perceive things, and ultimately, if you take the higher road and you don't emotionally react to everything that happens around you, and you act in pure objectivity, that ultimately you can live a more fruitful, happy, anxiety-free life because your emotions are under your control. And I think stoicism is definitely something that I've picked up from his books. Um, and I think that's a perspective that's crucial for success in 2020 and beyond. And so if you do want to learn more about it, um, there's another good author called Eckhart Tolle, who wrote a book called The Power of Now, which is like a mindfulness stoicism approach. And that's another one I'd really recommend because it really forces you to be in the moment and recognize your current emotions, your current problems, and take the approach to analyze what's going on and fix them in a methodical order. I don't know, I've been a big uh, big book guy recently. The weather's been beautiful in Vancouver recently, just enjoying the sun, trying to get out to the beach. Nothing wrong with crushing a book for six to eight hours in the sun, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, if you're able to go on a nice walk or a jog or, or a run and also get a good amount of information in that's you're killing two birds with one stone definitely exactly got to keep yourself busy with that multitasking yep definitely yeah that's speaking of uh speaking of the summer being nice in vancouver have you been getting up to anything keith yeah so i'm sure people are aware uh, i absolutely love mountain biking um snowboarding as well but obviously in summer that's where i'm at so Last weekend, I went to the Okanagan, which would be kind of like the desert of Canada. Um, it's kind of the, the only desert in all of Canada. A lot of people don't even know it exists. But uh, if you go to Kelowna, if you go to Kamloops, Vernon, Osoyoos, it's kind of in the center of BC. And I uh, went there last year or last uh, weekend, did a lot of biking and uh, really getting out. My brother, unfortunately, uh, destroyed himself pretty good, uh, ripped two out of the three tendons or ligaments in his shoulder um, oh no yeah he got a uh a stage three ac separation yeah so like really I, I don't know what that is that's just a series of complex words but i know i don't want it yeah yeah no 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 it's, <laughs> it's, it's really bad like you take it super well but uh yeah i dislocated my right shoulder before uh multiple times so i know how it feels so i don't know yesterday i like went over brought some food and i'm like yeah you're, you're you're probably not doing so well with food because it's really hard to cook. So I brought over some food and we had some good dinner, which was nice. What a good brother. Yeah, he, he would definitely do the same for me. It was it was pretty shitty when I when I dislocated my shoulder. It just sucks, man. Like you're using only one hand and you forget because it's my dominant hand, my right hand. So I'll just randomly pick something up and you'll just forget and then you'll lift it. And then you'll be like, oh, God, oh, shit. I have like zero power on this arm. Like so. a cool <laughs> reminder of what's actually going on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was right behind him. He's He hit the biggest jump in the entire park, landed on his front tire, rear tire, never touched the ground, and his shoulder was the next thing that hit the ground. So, it, it, How it, much air, if you had to guess? How many feet? Oh, it was a tabletop, so the jump went up, and it went flat, and it went down. From the tabletop, he was probably 15 feet in the air. Two, Holy. Two six-feet people, and then a little bit six foot people so pretty pretty high up into into the shoulder like right away so pretty oh. brutal but um yeah he's doing all right he had a he had a full face and it was uh a, it's a it's a brand new one he actually got that helmet 
the day before the crash, and then now it's completely useless because he hit his head so hard. But that's what made him not have a concussion, which is really good. Because that in that situation, it's pretty easy to just destroy your face and get it. Oh, concussion. yeah. Did he manage the risk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The risk-reward was worth it, for sure. <laughs> if I put on this helmet, I can do this big jump. <laughs> the reward is immense. It's worth it, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's at least a 3-to-1, bro. Yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> he took an L, but if he does that three times in a row, he'll definitely... The smile will be worth, for sure. <laughs> Gotta look at life like that, definitely. Yeah, right? Um, um, I'm sneaking up to the interior of British Columbia for the next couple of days and weeks here. Gonna get some time in the sun, got a couple of Airbnbs I'm booked, got a couple of campsites booked, just floating around between different lakes, cities, mountains, trying to uh, optimize the next two weeks. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to explore over there. It's, it's beautiful, it's sunny, there's a lot of lakes, and it, it's kind of nice because like, I'd rather be in a lake that warms up a lot quicker and you're not tasting the salt when you're actually in the water and... Yeah, I personally would rather be in lakes than oceans every day of the week, but... Yeah, and swimming in the Vancouver Oceans, like, yeah, it's nice, it's refreshing, it's fun. Have some beers on the beach or whatever, but sometimes it's gross. Yeah, there's like... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, I feel like that's just the downside of swimming in any ocean, is sometimes it's just gross. Like, I remember uh, one time I was down at English Bay, downtown Vancouver, beautiful beach... I went for a swim and I toweled myself off and there was just oil on my oh, towel. Oh god, that's so gross. Must have come from me. I was like, okay. Oh, thanks, man. big thanks, big oil companies. Yeah, Hope your barrels go to zero dollars again. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing much, man. It's it's definitely well, I feel like it's bounced back, so they could do a little bit uh a little bit more, but yeah, they're still definitely in the water for sure with with how the how it's going. Yeah, never forget when the futures went negative. That was a that was a legendary day. Yeah, the thing is, is I see a lot of memes of it now. But like when everyone's saying that Bitcoin's going to zero, like something a commodity that the entire globe uses went to zero before Bitcoin. I don't know. That was a little bit surprising. I was like, holy shit! You're right. That's actually super funny because everyone shits on Bitcoin. Oh, it's a scam. Oh, whatever, whatever this, whatever that. But oil went to zero, literally zero dollars before Bitcoin did. Yeah, but the the opportunity was there for Bitcoin to go to zero when there was a fifty percent move to the downside in that one single day when everything was selling off, and we held at forty two. So that was pretty awesome. I I was very happy to see that for sure. But um, yeah, crazy time, man, crazy time. For real, for real. But yeah, it's good to get out. I I personally. Try to go out as much as I can. Man, we're living in a pretty beautiful place, right? You just gotta... Yeah, and you gotta take advantage of it in the summer, because when exactly. the fall winter comes around, all it does is rain. Yeah, that gets a little bit less enjoyable. It's, yeah, it's... that's when the real grind season is. Yeah, that's when you stay indoors for, like, three weeks or four, um, more than a month on end and just uh, yeah. beat on your craft, man. That's that's when uh, you don't really do much outside and just work a like, shit done. We're already pretty serious basement dwellers, but when winter comes around, we're, we're legitimate and, like, we hibernate. Oh, yeah. I, I pack on. I <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Full bear simulator. Yeah, exactly. Oh, bear. Hopefully the, the markets are down as well during that time. Yeah, hopefully we can be a bear 
We can be a bear in real life and a bear in the fucking stock market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it's what happened last time, man. Uh, December of last year, equities absolutely plummeted. Fall in 2018, Bitcoin went from 6K to 3.5. Fall, I guess, kind of seems like the time where uh, assets start to fall. So we might truly be a bear. We will yeah. see. Time will tell. The S&P seeing a little bit of a pullback. Yeah, it's been, I don't know though, like if I were to short anything, I don't know if it'd be equities, just it's so resilient. Yeah, I agreed, like, man. I don't want to fight the Fed again. I, we already learned our lesson in that regard. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The default perspective, I think, that is most successful in the current market is bullish until proven otherwise, at least in the equities market. Oh, totally. Yeah, there is so much confidence left, in my opinion, in terms of the equities where if you're shorting, why why short equity? It just it, it does not make sense. Like the S and P, the Nasdaq hit all time highs, and it's still hitting all time highs right now. It did pull back a little bit, but yeah, it it's so it's super resilient at, at this point. I'm just like you said, I'm just going with the trend, risk on. People are still speculative. The fact that there could be a second wave, the fact that there are states that are locking back down after they reopen because of the resurgence the market doesn't give a shit right like any economic data that's coming out for initial job loss claims even continued claims are still increasing or consolidating sideways the market doesn't give a shit right like i think that's one thing i really took away from it is yes you could have things line up you could have perfect ta aligned with economic data that's coming out and it could look like it's a perfect sequence and in confluence with what your overall structure is in terms of a trade going to the downside or upside. But yeah, don't fight the Fed. And if price action starts to change direction and you see it, like you, you got to be so quick to be able to change your mind. And I was definitely a little bit late on that in terms of being able to change from being bearish to bullish. But I was, I think for me personally, I was on the side of caution instead of aggressive dip buying <laughs> D different way of approaching the markets compared to like the robin hood people who put 500 bucks in and thought that they were smarter than warren buffett by buying airlines when they were at all-time lows <laughs> yeah there's definitely there's there's two sides to every coin right yeah there definitely is but uh i i don't know i think we're almost in the end the fact that it hurts still absolutely exploded just how is that how are we not in a bubble if we're seeing stuff like this you know what i mean yeah right like we're at such a what's the word fragile scenario with all these stupid robin hood traders taking absolute gambles economic data is in ruins tech has never been higher yeah really though screams bubble yeah that's that's why we're definitely focusing on things that i think have a more hopeful future with the current situation with money printing we already talked about gdx gdxj the silver etf as well as just accumulating boolean uh just physical gold and silver because i do think that that also has some benefits it's always nice to be able to physically pick up your asset hold it in your hand know you have it know where it is um, and that's a sense of security as well but uh, equities does have your name tied to it and your broker uh, attached to your name so um if there's some catastrophic catastrophic event you'll still have your shares it's just all done electronically but um 
Yeah, different ways of getting exposure into a market that is going to be appreciating at an exponential rate for the next, let's say, 10 to 5 years is definitely a good option. And I think uh, we've kind of been shouting from the rooftops that gold, silver, and crypto are going to be the main focuses uh, for us, definitely just because of the uh, current currency proliferation that is going around globally. A lot of everything. Yeah, ultimately we're just trying to play the long game here. We recognize these fundamental problems and ultimately we're trying to come up with fundamental solutions. Yeah, it, it's definitely a long game. It's not going to be a year. Like if we look back at the last time we had massive credit expansion and easy money, that took from end of World War Two around 1945 until the 60s, like early 60s, right? That's a long time. That's like 20 years for... Uh, an entire bubble to be created without anyone having any sort of reaction to the actions taken by monetary policymakers. So it takes a while. And we started this whole frenzy. You could argue back in the after the 80s, but you could also argue that after 2008 is when we started the QE. And that's when the money supply really started expanding. So it's been, let's say, 12 years in the making at this point. So we're getting to a point where we've been in the easy money, easy credit cycle for 12 years. Last time it took 20, so it could take a while, right? But yeah, we're definitely looking at it from a global macro long-term perspective, which I think is equally as important as the shorter-term trades that we do take. Because yeah, we do take trades in silver and gold, which is great, but we do also look at those two assets as a long-term play, similar to Bitcoin or Ethereum, where yeah, you could trade it, but we really should be as investors accumulating as well because we do see the long-term appreciation to be a pretty high probable situation to occur. Yeah, ultimately we're on that millennial money mindset. Sucks to say, but we're pretty young. We're both uh, early 20s and we're just trying to set ourselves up in such a manner that we're financially secure for the rest of our life because hyperinflation doesn't happen overnight and these are the problems that are going to be very real in the coming years to decades and preparation prevent or proper pepper preparation prevents like bad outcomes that's just ultimately what it comes down to the more prepared you are and the more things that you recognize can go wrong the more likely you are to be resilient against those things going wrong yeah definitely knowing the outcomes learning from history yeah i think a lot of people are definitely unprepared because you think of money, you think of Canadian dollars, American dollars, and, you know, like, when I was pretty young, I remember asking my teacher, oh, like, why does my value, like, my grandma told me that she could buy, like, I don't know, an apple for, like, a cent. I don't know exactly what the what the ratios were for, like, money for value back then, but inflation, right? Like, people talk about it all the time, but no one really understands it in normal I guess, like educational system. So I remember asking my teacher, why did my grandma have the option to purchase like candy at a cent and I have to pay 25 cents? And then the teacher told me because everyone is asking for a raise and that's why it increases the cost of goods and services because people are always asking for raises. And I was like, huh, well, that kind of makes sense. But then if you really dig deep into it, like that has nothing to do with the fucking problem. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not people and everyday citizens asking for raises. It's the expansion of the money supply, which is devaluing the currency. So it's like there's such a 
gap that educational schools or educational systems don't teach even in high school or like i feel like if you take finance you'll 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 learn it in economics you'll learn it but if you're just taking the bare bones stuff needed to pass high school you have zero understanding of how money works basically so i i think a lot of people are definitely going to get uh more hurt than not but uh that's what we're trying to do right we're trying to just explain to people the process of what happens when there is a massive amount of money being printed and what happened in history and just try, just trying to get the word out there definitely and it's not like it's you know this is the the book to solve all issues in, involving inflation but just looking at the past what happened what did really well during monetary uncertain times definitely gold and silver except now we have this brand new thing called blockchain that no one's seen before in an inflationary period but we have seen places like venezuela zimbabwe uh suffer inflation or hyperinflation while blockchain and crypto is around and we have seen people dive into those uh, technologies for safe haven statuses basically compared to their native currencies so yeah it'd be a crazy time man i think our life well you can say that with any life but i think especially our like we're gonna see the most change in terms of the financial framework of the world than any other uh, generation before us. I think there's going to be more change just because like the rate of technology and the speed at which technology is changing as well as how old the current system is, we're going to get like a complete turnaround, which is going to be super cool to watch because we're going to see the construction of our new system. So I have no idea if we'll have a say, <laughs> but... Um, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Government doesn't ask for inputs, they just do what they're gonna do. But ultimately, there is a need for change. Yeah, there definitely is, but, uh, yeah. Alrighty, but, should we, uh, wrap it up here? Yeah, let's do that. So, thank you very much for watching, really appreciate it. Um, like Nathan said, if you do have any suggestions for upcoming videos, definitely don't hesitate to drop them in the comments below. Um, if you found this video educational informative or just uh enjoy it if you, if you would subscribe it does help our channel out quite a bit um and give it a like if you would like to watch it again or if you found it uh, really enjoyable to watch so um i'll end it off here and then i'll pass it over to nathan but thank you very much for watching take care everyone